to another episode of the Pop Culture Roundtable, the podcast that's ready to head to a galaxy far, far away. In this episode, we talk to some of our favorite artists about some of their fondest Star Wars memories. I'm Andrew Sale. I'm Patrick Hill. So brace yourselves for a hyper jump because it's time to go light speed. I can't shake them. I can't shake them. kick every episode off by going around the table which is where we talk about something new fun and noteworthy about our weeks uh but this is a special week this is a week that some might say we've been waiting for since 1977 why what happened then uh the week that star wars uh the the skywalker saga comes to a close episode nine releases tomorrow if you're listening to this on release day and uh this whole week has been star wars week and so for our around the table we're going to touch on some star wars stuff um and we're going to talk about some other things that have happened during our week but then our master categories are going to be a little bit different because we're going to just hear from several of our artists uh some of our artist friends what their fondest star wars memories are and we'll just kind of check in with several people and uh hear about uh what makes star wars special to them and so uh that's what this episode is going to be like. No, so, there's, Patrick, uh, there's one other difference too. Well, Lauren's not here right Lauren's now. Lauren's not here, so yes. I, unfortunately, uh, she is gone. She's selling her wares uh, somewhere else in the country. But Los Angeles. She's she's doing just fine. She was at uh, the Funko headquarters last, uh, or the Let's the stay, Funko store. Stay yeah. on theme. She's off planet. Sure. In Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. But that said, she's still... If you've ever been to Los Angeles, it does feel like you're off planet. But she'll make fair. a cameo later in the episode. She will make a, she will make a cameo um, in true Star Wars fashion. Uh, so, Patrick, why don't you kick us off about your week? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, a couple things, uh, three things, actually, I want to talk about. I'm going to close this out with a Star Wars-specific thing so I can stay on brand. But before I get there, this is the week before Christmas... On brand, off planet. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry. Uh, this is the, the week before Christmas, and so there is a, a kind of cool thing for you to check out that, who knows, may be great for stuffing someone's stocking, and that is... <laughs> for some reason, when you say that, it sounds gross. <laughs> Thank you. That, that is the Baron Fig uh, Error 404 Squire Rollerball Pin. So here's how I found this. I was on their website browsing around. I was typing in some page names, and I came to a page that didn't exist. And so you get a 404 page. That's a, that's a page not found. And typically, sometimes people have boring 404 pages. It'll just say error 404. And sometimes you find some creative ones. Well, uh, Baron That says like error 405. No, no, because that would mean something different. 404 oh, is not I found. See. I see. Um but, you know, someone will put a picture of a cat on it and say, like, you know, f- Fluffy ate it or something. I don't know. People put weird stuff. But uh, Baron Fig went a step further and decided to capitalize on this moment of your ignorance and offer a, a product, a limited edition uh, exclusive product on the 404 page. So if you go to BaronFig.com forward slash just type in something that isn't real. If you want to make this simple, type in forward slash 404. You will get a 404 page and you'll be prompted with the ability to buy this pin. Now, 
the the rub on this is that you can't actually see the pen unless you get it Buy shipped it. to your house. Yeah. Even if you purchase it, even if you put it in your cart, there's no way to actually see the pen. Um, so I, I went ahead and purchased one because I'm a sucker for secrets. All secrets must be known. And I, I got it in. Um, and it is blue. It's a beautiful... Uh, your computer just froze and you need to restart it blue color. I think that's the perfect way of describing it. Uh, and if you've seen the Squire Rollerball casing, it is a, a tube. Um, and it says 404 on the outside, big letters. When you open it up, when you open the case, it actually has error in even larger letters uh, running 360 degrees around the inside of this container. And then the... the in pen- layman's terms, that means all the way around. All the way around. And then the pen itself says error 404 and it's got this nice uh like flat blue it almost has a satin feel to it uh finish very very cool pen now this is limited edition um i don't know how big the edition size is however thanks to the power of squarespace or shopify or whatever the heck they use i can tell you there's 124 left in stock so there are a few it is $60, but once they're sold out, they will be sold out, and who knows what they'll do next. Honestly, I would love if y'all would just go buy them all so we can just see what the next iteration of the 404 page would be. How depressing to get a 404 page, which means you already failed once, and now it's sold out on top of that. Oh, my gosh. That's like a double 404. Yeah, that would. Uh, yeah, it would be. That would be 808. So, which, by the way, great kick drum sound from like the 80s. Good sound. Um, yeah. All right, so that's the first thing. If you want to try to get it in by Christmas, I think you have time if you go purchase it today, but you need to go purchase it. It's really now. nice looking. It's, it's a, really nice looking. It's a beautiful pen. I know the price throws some people off. 60 bucks for a pen, that is steep. When you compare it to the, you know, spending $5 and getting a 20-pack. I understand this. This is not the pen you get when you spend no. $5 and get a 20-pack. And in fact, several very large uh, companies that you would know that if I wasn't lazy, I would go look up, have done shootouts with these pens. And this has been consistently ranked as their favorite uh, writing utensil. Oh, um, it's absolutely. It's, it, is, it is by far my favorite pen to write with. I have two of them because I, ke- I keep one at the office in my like in my my drawer and I keep one in my backpack at all times because I realized I didn't want to lose it in transit, but I didn't want to like degrade my, my writing quality when I'm on the go. So I ended up getting a sec. I got a click one for the sure. office and then I have the rollerball one, um, or the, like the, the twist squire, uh, that I keep in my backpack at all times. Basically you can make, you know, every time you use paper, an event, it's already an event because y'all all do everything digitally. Um, but <laughs> even more of an event. All right, so that is Bear and Fake. The second thing I want to talk about that would have been great for Christmas, but you already missed it, suckers, is the Timex Plus DDC Standard Issue Scout watch by designed by uh, Mr. Uh, Aaron Draplin himself. This thing is beautiful. Andrew, can you, because you're so much better with words, can you just yeah. try to describe how great this watch is? This watch is honestly the like the perfect execution of what brings like of what Aaron Draplin brings to design which is ultra functional like ultra high functional uh, like high industrial kind of look and feel 
um, but done with a flair and working with Timex on something as like kind of foundational as a watch is like a match made in heaven. Honestly, uh, the way that the way that Draplin kind of formulate, you know, is kind of formulaic in his um, uh, his use of of type and layout and things like that. And he's very precise and he does all these different things. It lends itself perfectly to the watch format. And he uses his own fonts, the DDC hardware uh, for everything. And it looks phenomenal. Yeah, and it, his Draplin DDC orange, like, ugh, crazy. It's just, no, it's no detail, no stone left unturned on this watch. I mean, every detail from the inside of the box, the outside of the box, the bottom, the watch itself. I love the uh, the anodized dial, the orange anodized dial on the side of the watch. That is just beautiful. And of course, the the Draplin colors. You probably know the orange and the kind of uh, charcoal black. And there's a gloss black as well. Uh, it man, it just looks so good. It, it, it honestly, I had not planned on spending eighty five dollars for a watch. And by the way, let me throw this out there. That's not that much for this watch. No, Draplin could have easily partnered with someone to sell a $500 watch if he wanted to, and he would have sold those out as well. But it was important to him that it was under $100 because, again, he likes it's things Draplin. to be for the yeah. everyman. It's totally, yes. it, I totally respect that. Um, it's ha- the same reason that when you buy a poster from him, he just rolls it up and puts it in, uh, puts a, an orange rubber band around it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But I hadn't, I hadn't planned on buying it. I already have a watch. I can't wear two at the same time. I don't need a second watch. But wow, when you see the watch and then you see the back of it and then you see the inside of the box and when you just start seeing the details, I, I had to own one. Now, I did not realize it was limited. It was a run of 250. They sold out in 18 minutes. Um, so they are gone. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to beat the clock, but it turns out I did. Even naturally, even unintentionally, I'm a winner. <laughs> oh that's your that's your takeaway that's a, i love that that's your takeaway that's just all i want you to know so mine's on the way here uh tomorrow i'll have it and andrew and i will unbox it and we'll we'll instagram it we'll show it off uh and then i will stuff. wear it yeah he's gonna lick it and then try to keep it mm-hmm. he's done that to most of my nice things <laughs> um all right so last thing i'll do one more i'll do a star wars thing um before i throw it to you uh ryan johnson i don't know have you seen what what ryan johnson said yesterday or two days ago andrew no okay ryan johnson made this comment uh he said i think approaching any creative process uh with with making fandom happy uh would be a mistake that would lead to probably the exact opposite result um and then he goes on to say that as a fan, he feels like if someone does exactly what he wants, that it ultimately just leaves him feeling flat. Mm. And um, he then said, I want to be shocked. I want to be surprised. I want to be thrown off guard. I want to have things recontextualized. I want to be challenged as a fan when I sit down in the theater. Um, and he says, when I sit down in the theater, I aim to have the same experience I had with Empire Strikes Back, something that's emotionally resonant. So anyway, he goes on to say other things as well. But his big thing was he said he thinks catering to fandom is a mistake. Hmm. Now, I've already had time to consider my thoughts on this, but I just hit you with this fresh, Andrew. I would love yeah. to know, how, how does this make you feel? What's your knee-jerk reaction to this? Well, um, considering... Fa- I, I, I think there's two pieces to it. I, I want to, like, 100% say amen to it uh, from the standpoint of he's the artist, he's the filmmaker, 
he's the one who the franchise is trusting with it. He's the one pitching the ideas to the people who created it, right? Right. So he's he is responsible to and for this piece. Who else gets say in that, right? Like that they should have absolute say in it. So like there's part of me, like 100% of me fully agrees with that statement. And then the flip side of the coin, the other 100% of me feels like, (laughs) I don't care, I'm taking 200%. That's fine. Uh, The other 100% of me says we need, um, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like you've got to, you've got to, carry along what came before you've got to you've got to enhance what came before you can't just ditch it and do your own thing for the sake of of artistry so like there's the there's a part of me that says you really do have to like the fans are who what keeps the thing going and what keeps the property you know being relevant ultimately it keeps them making money it keeps them doing all these things so you can't forget them entirely um and so i think it would the ultimately i think it it would behoove anyone making movies to strike a balance between making your own art and keeping in mind the property and the history that is surrounding that property that's kind of how i feel now i so i've been thinking about this the past couple hours um because i know that that this is going to inflame some people because some people already feel like uh, Ryan Johnson just gave a middle finger to the fan base and then went off and did his own thing. And so then when you, when you attach a statement to it of, you know, Ryan Johnson says F off fans. Now it's people are going to be angry. I can't, uh, I'm just imagining now the threads that are going to start popping up in the M of one slack. I have purposely not posted this link yet because I just don't, I just don't want you just don't have the energy for it yet. I don't have the energy for it yet. Okay. That said, if someone take and, and there has to be some clarification of what fandom encompasses because one side of this, if your goal is to just hook in as many fans as possible, you end up with the last season of game of Thrones. I mean, the, the writers came out and said, our goal was to attract NFL players and stay at home moms and, our goal was to bring in as many fans, quote unquote, as possible. Now, someone listening is going to go, oh, but those aren't real fans. You should have been listening to Game of Thrones fans. But again, now you're getting into a question of what actually constitutes a fan of a series. But if you if someone just goes completely into the direction of I'm going to please people, you get the last season of Game of Thrones. That's one side of it. The other thing, designed by committee... Everybody that's listening that is a designer, because that's 90% of you, 95% of you, designed by committee is a disaster, okay? The most effective committees are three when two of them are on vacation, okay? One person needs to be making, I stole that, don't worry. One person needs to be making decisions. Cite your sources. (laughs) That's actually from the founder of GoDaddy. He used to have a really good vlog back in the day. Ah. Yeah, there you go. Vlog. You know it's back in the day because it was called a vlog. Uh-huh. It dates it, but designed by committee never works. And and so you're right. He is by stepping up, he is in charge of the production and he has to have a clear d- definition for it. And he can't just be swinging and swaying with every new fan request that comes out. He needs to chart a course and push for it. So all of that stuff, I fully agree with now, this unlocks a further question, which is, did he take the box he was given and tear it open and kick it out of the house and then build a new box. 
because then obviously that just starts another discussion of is that appropriate as a creative to instead of working within your constraints, just dumping your constraints. And some people would argue he dumped his constraints. I don't know that I feel that way. This conversation could go on and on. And if you would like to be a part of this conversation, yeah, go to mof1.network, click on the Slack link, join the Slack, and just start yelling in all the channels because I know that's already going to happen. Why fight yeah. it? But um, I personally, I would say if I had to rate a pro this statement and a negative this statement, I am pro this statement more negative and i would in fact say it's about 80 20 for me but this is going to open up a ton of conversation uh it shouldn't be a secret that it's not a secret if you've listened to the show i did like the last jedi um but there is still some this leaves some wiggle room for all of you people to come complain i get it uh but oh overall i agree with this statement um and that said even though this statement was made before the Star Wars premiere, that premiere has already happened, and this statement may feel all too connected or even like a jab to the premiere because it's already being, some critics are already saying that... I don't want to hear what the critics are saying. Okay. <laughs> I won't say anything. Yes, don't. This statement is going to feel somewhat appropriate potentially, but just keep in mind if you're reading the statement and if you're reading the reviews... This statement happened before the premiere, so just separate those. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. All right. I feel like I almost messed up. Andrew, you. I wasn't going to let you. I would have aggressively thrown my headphones across the room if I had to, to to keep from hearing anything. So I, if you are new to the show, will learn that Patrick and I differ in one major way when it comes to films. He will, you will, I'll just talk at you and about you, you do research prior to films. You want to read up on it. You want to hear what everyone's saying. You want to hear you. A lot of times you will even go read the synopsis of the film, read the plot line, read what you should be looking for, what you shouldn't be looking for. And I like to go into movies, especially ones that are going to be deeply that I somehow am deeply already like entrenched in completely blind. So in fact, I I've only seen, I saw the, the teaser trailer for star Wars rise of Skywalker. And I saw the first full theatrical, uh, uh, trailer for Rise of Skywalker. I have not watched any of the new ones. So intentionally scrubbing past it on social media, not going to see it because I don't want to see or hear anything about it prior to uh, the movie because this is our last chance for a while to to be, um, to have our, like, like Ryan Johnson said, to have our Empire Strikes Back moment. This is our final chance to have that with this thing that has been a part of our lives our entire lives for those of us who were born after 1977 we have never lived in a a pre or post star wars world we live in a star wars world so um i never want to hear about that stuff that being said here's a couple things that came out uh this week i'm really excited about one is this book right here um it is called i am c3po the inside story it is a story uh it is a book written by anthony daniels with forward by jj abrams um, it is his kind of telling of what it was like from his perspective to be a part of the Star Wars universe from inside the tin can. You know, he plays, he has played um, C-3PO, everybody's favorite protocol droid, uh, from the beginning. So since 1977, all the way through, he's the only person who has been in every single film properly. I mean, I know Princess Leia... Um, well, even Princess Leia wouldn't have been in all of them because she wasn't in the, in the, the prequel. So 
he's been around. This character has been around since episode one, all the way through to now episode nine. He's got a lot that he's seen, and he he uh, is kind of um, sharing that information. So I'm really excited to dive into it. I picked it up uh, at at Target. Here's a special deal. If you go to Target and uh, pick this book up and go to the checkout counter and tell them that you heard about it on the Master of One podcast, they will give you 30% off. Uh, it's a deal. It's a deal we worked out with Target. Uh, they even put a little sticker on the front of it that says 30% off. Some might say it was already there, but trust me, it's because we talked to them ahead of time. Tell them Master of One sent you 30% See, off. And here's the thing. They they were very clear. Um, if someone won't give you the deal, demand to see their manager. Well, they will give you the deal because they are already marked off 30%. No, 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 no. Make sure it's for the M of one thing and demand okay. to see the manager. <laughs> I want to see Mr. Manager. Um, Where's Mr. I very, Target? <laughs> I'm very excited to read this. I'm probably going to read it this weekend after I've seen the film five times. Um, I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to crack it, and it looks it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. The other thing is also Star Wars related. Uh, if you are a Disney Plus member, um, you would have already gotten an email for this, but. Uh, if you're listening to this on release day, you can go right now and immediately after listening to this episode, immediately go to Disney Plus and watch uh, a two-day early release of The Mandalorian. And in the promo that they sent out, uh, they said, make sure you stay through the credits. So that is leaving a lot of speculation. Um, I'm not reading anything about it, but just for my own sake... A lot of speculation about the fact that there should and could very well be a tie to a direct tie to Rise of Skywalker at the end of this episode of The Mandalorian, um, because we're getting the episode two days early, and otherwise the the pre-release of it, the scheduling of the pre-release, wouldn't make any sense if there wasn't a direct tie, because immediately 24 hours after that is when the movie uh, releases. So had you heard about that, Patrick? I did. You know, it's funny because I didn't even consider the re- like the reason why, but I knew that it was coming out early. Yep. So uh, my guess is there's going to be some tie and uh, you have to stick around to the end credits to see what that's going to be. But I am, I am excited to watch that. I'll probably watch it uh, first thing. And um, yeah, anyway, this is going to be, it's, this, this, like I said, this is going to be the last time that we have a premiere of of such kind of a a big film in the Star Wars universe for the foreseeable future, and so uh, there's a lot surrounding it. Um, and I'm I'm very excited. I'm trying to do something Star Wars related every day this week, wear some sort of Star Wars article of clothing, or um, you know, get up like read a book or whatever. So uh, it's. It's a big week uh, around here in the the sale household in terms of Star Wars. So, um, okay, I think that's going to be it for our around the table. Next week we will go back to our regularly scheduled programming. But again, we're going to keep the Star Wars uh, galactic train a moving, and uh, we're going to move into a very special master category section. So like we said, for our master categories this week, we decided uh, that it would be fun to throw a question out to some of our favorite artists uh, and 
not all of our favorite artists because that would be exhaustive and we'd be here for 12 hours, but uh, to a few of our, uh, to a few of our friends to ask them um, a very simple question, give us uh, a memory from star Wars uh, growing up or whatever it is, a a memory um, that comes to mind when you think about what star Wars has meant to you. And uh, well, these, these memories are very touching and we're excited to share them with you. So without any further ado, here are some memories. This memory uh, comes to you from our friend, Zach Wilkinson. Uh, Zach hosts the Creatoring Podcast. He's become a, a good friend of ours um, uh, over the years. And uh, here's his story. Right on the top of my head that comes to me the quickest is probably the Han and Leia scene right before Han goes into the Carbonite with Boba Fett. Um, the moment, you know, I love you. I know that part. There's so much... Um, there's the badass rebel scum who has always had to fight against his luck, and then the princess who's always had everything handed to her, and they're they're together in this moment, and he says that, and it always seems like it was again just another badass moment, but there's also some desperation and fear in his voice, and. Probably it. I love you. I know. And Harrison Ford. She's the least. Hey, this is Andrew Cole with, a, I guess, a Star Wars memory. Um, it's a pretty simple one, but I really just remember being terrified of Darth Vader as a small child. Um, I don't even think I'd seen the films until I was a teenager, but I think uh, something about catching just a glimpse of the kind of early scenes of the original Star Wars on TV and uh, just kind of that imposing force um, resonated with me or just kind of really stuck with me uh, to this day that I can still remember kind of feeling that fear uh, while R2 and C-3PO are kind of running about the ship. Um, So that's it. My memory is uh, we, Andrew Kolb, being freaked out by the uh, looming presence of Darth Vader. Hi, it's Kevin Wilson, a.k.a. 8 Meets Girl. And my Star Wars moment has to be back in the early 80s. I remember the first time I got my Kenner action figures and suddenly, you know, what had until that point that had been this two-dimensional experience on screen suddenly just became a reality and became tangible. But it was when I got the, the ATAT that, that the scale of that universe really came to light. You know, it, I was small enough that I could ride on it you know, and I've just wanted to play in that universe ever since then and, uh, and still do to this day. This next memory comes from Dave Clayton, uh, part of He Shoots, He Draws, and then also Astute Graphics. Uh, Dave is a a great friend of ours, and uh, this is what he had to say. So back in 1977, I I just turned 12 years old because the film came out in December 1977. And all I remember at the time was I'd grown up with Star Trek, which was on television. I'd never really seen anything at the cinema that was, you know, sci-fi related. And there was a lot of fuss about Star Wars. So I remember my dad taking us to the Empire in Watford 
which uh, a little fact about the Empire in Watford, that's the cinema where George Michael worked and actually wrote Careless Whisper while he was working there on the bus to and from being an usher at the cinema. But um, yeah, I remember queuing up with Dad, with my brother Mark, and we went in, we're just absolutely blown away because there was nothing like it at the time. I just had no recollection of any other film, anything that had a feeling like that. And uh, and the one thing I just remember coming out from the film was just making the lightsaber noises and anything me and Mark could find at home that was anything over about three foot in length just became a lightsaber. But the whole thing with Darth Vader, it was just there wasn't an there wasn't an enemy like that. There wasn't a baddie like that. And there were so many bits in that film that kind of stick with you and, you know, feeling anxious when they're getting stuck in the crush when the walls are coming in. There were so many things about that time. That film was so powerful. And being a 12-year-old, it was, like, fantastic to just see something that iconic and not realising how big it was going to be. And uh, we went to see it again at a different cinema in Watford, in a bigger cinema in the Odeon. I think we probably ended up going to see that about f- at least four times at the cinema, which back then was pretty big for you know my parents to take us to see the same film because I remember doing the same with Greece because Greece came out a year later. Um, but yeah, that's my memory of Star Wars, just being a 12-year-old kid, being you know jaw-dropped over a film, a sci-fi film that I'd n- never seen anything like before. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Lauren here. When I think back on the best thing about Star Wars, for me it has to be the bond that my brother Jake and I have had over these movies for pretty much our whole lives. Our grandma took us to see A New Hope when the original trilogy films were re-released in the 90s and we were both hooked instantly. Growing up, we collected all of the weapons and action figures and we would run around in the woods pretending to be Luke and Han. We made costumes, we waited in line, and went to midnight showings of all of the movies, even the prequels. The speech I gave at my brother's graduation party was even based on the opening crawl of episode four. And now, even though we live pretty far apart, he's in New York, I'm in Texas, we've seen every single Star Wars film together in theaters. It's just not always the first time anymore. We still spend hours talking about Star Wars as soon as we get together. During Thanksgiving, my dad kept asking us pretty much every day, how are you still talking about Star Wars? Jake is always the first person I call to find out things like why Darth Maul was at the end of Solo or to ask about whether or not when baby Yoda learns to talk, will he have Yoda's speech pattern or will he just talk normally? Star Wars has always been something that brought the two of us closer together and I think that's pretty special. So thank you, Star Wars. I can't wait to see the conclusion of the Skywalker saga. May the Force be with us all. Hey, this is Adam Grayson. Um, And when I think about Star Wars, um, you know, I can't help but think about the... You know, countless times I watched the movies uh, with, you know, my my dad that passed away this past January. Um, I have vivid memories of uh, going to see the movies uh, with him. Uh, You know, at that point I was I was little, so it was more like Phantom Menace and and stuff. But um, those movies have always, you know, stood as a beacon of hope, of creativity, um, I mean, from the storyline to the art to the characters, I mean, you're left feeling inspired and filled with hope. Um, so that's definitely, you know, kind of what what the saga of Star Wars has meant to me. It has been a place 
of, um, in some ways, healing for me. Um, you know, both my, my biological father who passed away and my stepdad were both um, big into Star Wars. So, you know, I was immersed into it as a little kid. Um, and it's it's really been um, amazing to watch it unfold and to watch my kids um, start watching it and to watch um, the new characters um, that come out of it, uh, the new storylines. Um, and it's just, it's been an amazing ride, um, an amazing story, um, and something I hope that um, can continue to inspire me, um, other artists, kids, children, everyone, um, to be courageous, be brave, uh, have faith, uh, and, and just dream big. So uh, that's that's what it's meant to me. Um, I'll always love it. I'll always watch it. I will always adore it forever. Um, I think the the strongest memory that I've got is the uh, the family answering machine message that we had. We had that thing for golly several years, but it was basically the uh, New Hope Cantina background song that would just play we we had the soundtrack my dad had the soundtrack uh picked up like on a 45 uh record or something like that and we we played it and just recorded family greeting whenever this is back with landlines back (laughs) back before um cell phones and all that jazz but um so yeah the cantina music would be playing and be like hey you reached the reeds and would go through and would say like, everybody was like, this is dad, this is mom, this is, you know, me and, and my brother type thing would go through and say our names and, um, yeah, to the cantina. I, I remember making several recordings trying to get it just right. And I think by the time we, it was all said and done, we were, <laughs> we all just hated that song. And so anytime the, Star Wars movies playing in the cantina song happens like my brother and I both get like a little nervous tick uh or I maybe starts twitching but um yeah so that's a super cheesy 80s amazing family machine machine voice message (laughs) answering machines so, yeah, that's my Star Wars memory. Andrew here, and this is my Star Wars moment. When I was trying to think of what story I could tell um, that stuck with me and made an impact on me, you're you're talking about 35 years worth of memories and life and experiences. Um, and so I had to sift through quite a bit of, of that stuff to come up with something that I thought was unique or, or maybe a little bit different. And I think I found one. Um, and, and it was that moment when you find out that... Luke's father is Darth Vader. And it's not necessarily the moment itself. It's not finding out that he's the the dad and it's like this big reveal and this big shocking moment. Because if I remember correctly, I, I wasn't super shocked at the moment, but what it did was it instantly made me go back and question everything that Obi-Wan had said. Because if you remember back in... Uh, 
episode four where you have a new hope and and we we meet Luke for the first time and Luke first meets old Ben Kenobi, which turns in it turns out to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we start to get this this backstory of the Clone Wars and how he worked alongside Luke's father when he was in the Clone Wars and all these different things. In that moment, he talks about how his father was killed by Darth Vader. And the second I found out that Darth Vader was, in fact, Luke's father, that, to me, totally rocked my world because up to that point, I thought of Obi-Wan Kenobi as being kind of the true north uh, of the saga. In fact, we I mean... He he succumbs to the to the force and allows Darth Vader to to take him and he trains Luke and he his his guiding his guiding voice and all these different things. So in my mind, I'm thinking that okay, Obi Wan Kenobi is our true North, and then to find out that he lied to Luke was kind of devastating. And it wasn't until I was much older and had seen the film and had thought about the film many many times over that I realized that, in fact, he wasn't lying. He was just saying what I say to lots of people all the time, which is, you're dead to me. And so when I realized that, there was this moment of redemption for Obi-Wan Kenobi after many, many years of me writing him off as just being a lying old man. Um, I have reclaimed some of my respect and my admiration uh, for the guy that showed Luke the way and uh, ultimately helped him blow up the Death Star and trust the Force and become the Skywalker that we know and most people love today. Uh, So that is my Star Wars moment. Hey friends, this is Mark Pricky, Masters of One news correspondent, reporting in from New York City. I have a horrible mother. She did a lot of things wrong, and I haven't spoken to her in 16 years. But she did do three things right. Number one, she taught me to love Kiss. Number two, she took me to Disney World. And number three, in the summer of 1978, when I was four years old, at that age where you want to watch something over and over again, we went to the drive-in nearly every single night that summer going to see Star Wars A New Hope. We would go and see the movie. I would hardly ever make it till the end. And the next day, we would take our ticket stubs and put them on a cork board in our kitchen. I remember that cork board that was covered in tickets from the drive-in of every time my mother and I went and saw the movie. Because I was so young and I wouldn't make it to the end, I remember all of the opening shots. All of my nostalgia from Star Wars comes from the cantina, the Jawas, everything in Tatooine. For me, Star Wars was such a precious childhood memory. It meant so much more than just the film. It was this moment that I have with somebody that I don't have a lot of great moments with. But it was also a story that would become very relatable to me, a metaphor for life. That it doesn't matter where you start out or what other people's expectations are for you or how others may try to hold you back. Or even if your parents don't raise you and you get raised by other people that try to put you in a box... The world, the universe, it belongs to you. Every day is your own Star Wars story, and it's up to you how far you go, who you fight, and what you decide to believe in 
and what you decide is worth dying for. There's three levels of Star Wars fans. People that have seen the movies, people that have the tattoo, and people that think it's a religion. And unfortunately, I kind of think, even though I don't want to be, I'm probably in that last group because Star Wars has guided me all throughout my life. I always go to the movies with healthy expectations, and I'm always going to remember that it'll never be 1978 and again. You can never get back what you once had, but you can be grateful for those memories, and you can always be grateful for new Star Wars. See you in Batu. This is Mark Bricky signing out for Masters of One Extended Radio Network. Well, there you have it. Uh, what a fun time to kind of go down memory lane with some of our people. And uh, that's the thing about Star Wars. Star Wars is something that creates those memories. It contributes to moments in time and moments in your life that you can call back to. I know there are several things that are like this in our world, but Star Wars is one of those things that kind of um, quintessentially captures something in you for anybody. Even if you're not a big Star Wars fan, you still have stories about Star Wars. You still have stories about people you've encountered who are big Star Wars fans. In fact, I even reached out to a couple people throughout the the process of making this episode who, when I asked them if they were Star Wars people, they were like, I'm not really, quote, Star Wars people (laughs) Um, because they know what that means. They know what it means to classify someone as a Star Wars person. The Star Wars fan is, is kind of a next level upper, you know, just different level kind of, um, fan. And so, uh, what a cool week that we have this week to celebrate, uh, the closing of a chapter of something that is means so much to so many people. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get out of this episode because just in just a few short hours, uh, we all have the opportunity to go see Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, and then we will see you back here Friday morning for an extended after the film where we will dive into the film and have some really, really fun discussions uh, about uh, what we just saw. So, uh, But for now, I think uh, we're going to get out of this episode. You can find us on mof1.network where you can find show notes and links and a whole bunch of other episodes in the archive. You can find... Uh, us on all the different podcast platforms where you can rate and review and subscribe to the show. It's going to be helpful to us. Um, But uh, you can find us on social media. You can join the conversation to tell us what you agree and disagree with over at mof1.network slash slack. Uh, But for now, we're going to get out of here. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. And for Lauren, peace out. Bye.